Hello everyone and welcome to season 3 of the Global Career Schools podcast from the University of London Career Service. In this season, listening to stimulating careers conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. Join us as we speak to those alumni that embarked on a variety of careers journey. Our second Global Careers course of the low season is to John Adama, based in Ghana and working in the banking sector. John was called by our career consultant Gemma Garrett to discuss how he entered the banking sector after first starting out in teaching, and then successfully climbed the ladder into managerial roles until holding the position of executive head of retail banking of GCB Bank in Ghana. John, who holds an LLB and an LLM degree from the University of London, will also share his insight into the deep correlation between banking and the legal sector. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hi, John. Thank you so much for joining us for our Global Careers Calls podcast today. It's a real pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to grant you this interview as well. Oh, thank you. No, the pleasure is all ours. So, John, I wanted to start with a question about career stage. So, at the University of London, we know some of our students are career starters, so they're at quite an early stage of their career development journey. They might have limited workplace experience. Some of our students are career developers, so they're already working in an industry. They might have quite a lot of experience already and are studying to enhance their career in some way. And some of our students are career changers. So they're using their under or postgraduate studies to help them pivot career direction. So the question I wanted to ask you is, when you were studying with the University of London, would you have described yourself as a career starter, a career developer or a career changer? Okay, so for me, it was, I was a career developer at the time I enrolled with the University of London. Because I was actually working, I was uh, pursuing a career in banking before I enrolled for my first degree at the University of London. So a career developer actually fits my situation. Brilliant. Thank you, John. And and you've you've done your undergraduate degree in laws with us, your LLB, and you've done your LLM, your master's qualification in laws with us as well. So... So that's great that you've had that progression through your studies as well. And you mentioned that you were a career developer. I know you've had a really accomplished career in the banking and finance sector. I just wondered if you can give us a bit of an overview of your career journey so far. Thank you, Gemma. So I've worked for only one bank in, in my country, and I'm still working for that bank. That bank is the oldest indigenous bank in our country. It will be 70 years in March this year. So the bank was established in 1953. And so in March this year, we will be marking our platinum jubilee. So I joined the bank in 2001 as a young management trainee. And this bank has a presence in all the regions of this country. So there are branches in various regions of this country, Ghana, So when I joined, I was taken to one of the most remote branches of the bank, up north, in the northern part of the country. And I went there as a management trainee. So I started as a bank teller. I did all kinds of work at the branch. Everything that a new entrant into a branch could do, 
So I did everything, including being a teller in the cubicle cage. I mean, dispensing cash and receiving cash deposits. And yeah. then from there, I progressed to become a supervisor. So I did two years at my first branch and I got moved to the second branch, which is a bit closer, a regional capital, the northern regional capital. And at that point, I continued my development process. I was a supervisor. That by the time I was being transferred from there, I was a branch supervisor. Now, in fact, from the time I entered the bank up to this time, I had gone through about eight different branches and three head office departments. And so I've played various roles in the branch. I ended up as a branch manager of the largest branch. In fact, before I ended at before I got to that branch, I had enrolled at the University of London to do the LLB program. So I moved to the largest branch at the time I had completed the LLB program with the University of London. Mm -hmm. From the branch, I got moved to supervise one of the head office units. So I became a unit head. And then subsequently, I became a departmental head. And I am now the executive head of retail banking of the bank. So it has been quite an interesting journey that has taken me through about eight different towns at eight different regions of this country and then three head office departments. And that has accumulated into me being made the executive head of retail. So that has been my career journey. And the University of London came in when I was at my last but one branch. So by the time I moved to head the largest branch, in fact, I was the youngest ever branch manager of that branch. You know, wow. at GCB, before, before you get to certain branches, you need to spot a few gray hair. <laughs> without which, yes, without which you were not considered mature enough. But yeah. I think that at a point, they realized that you don't need just gray hairs. You need a lot of maturity that you have gotten from experience you have had and your hard work. Absolutely. So I've had an exciting journey and continue to have an exciting journey in the bank. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, John. It sounds like you've really accumulated a lot of experience in terms of heading up the different branches, but also moving to different countries as well, which is fantastic. And you mentioned that's when you started your LLB qualification. I was wondering, because you were working in the bank, but you yes. decided to study a law degree. So what was the reason for your motivation to study law? Okay, okay. In fact, my in-law dates back to my undergraduate studies at the University of Cape Coast. And uh, the program I did had some law components. So you, you do, it was a business program. And naturally, you needed to do commercial law. You needed to do company law. So I did commercial law. I did company law. In, in, in all those courses, I scored a high A. In fact, I scored very high marks. Wow. And so I realized that I had the interest and the passion to study law. Now, down the line, I also studied for the chartered accountancy qualification in my country here, Ghana, mm -hmm. and studied the chartered bankers program as well. I did all these things before I uh, started the LLB. And so there were, you know, subjects there that were very heavy on the legal side of things. Yeah. And besides, besides, branch banking, practice of banking 
is actually one that you cannot separate from law. And so throughout my move towards across the bank, I realized that some people get into little problems just because they did not actually appreciate the laws that regulated the work they do. So I told myself, um, why don't you add the legal qualification to whatever you have already? If you are a chartered accountant, you are a chartered banker, and you also have a legal qualification, I think it complements your main profession. And so that was what motivated me to enroll to pursue the LLB program. Great. Thanks, John. It sounds like it was really valuable to get those legal insights and to have that legal knowledge in some of your day-to-day work as well, which is fantastic. Great. Thank you. And in terms of your current role, now that you're the executive manager, could you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like on a day-to-day basis? What sort of responsibilities do you have in your current role? Okay. So my current role as the executive head of retail is something I refer to as a convoluted role. I mean, it's not a clearly defined role, and I'm sure you will understand how convoluted it is. So yes, the retail banking department is one of the four major business units of the bank. And so the retail banking department has responsibility to bring in numbers in terms of deposits, in terms of loans, in terms of income, and... Now, this same retail banking department is structured in a way that makes the head responsible for the operational side of the business. So if the systems are not working at the branches, if GL, general ledger accounts are not balancing at the branches, if there are legal issues like garnishment orders that you need to go and settle in courts have come up, all this would be the responsibility of the retail banking department. Elsewhere, what happens is that the retail unit is solely responsible for business growth. That is, they handle personal customers of the bank, that's Mm -hmm. individual customers, tiered into the bottom of the pack, that's those with little money, and then they have the uh, mass affluent, those in the middle, and then they have the high net worth. That is typically what a retail head does in other banks. But here, in addition to looking after those personal individual customers, they also have responsibility to ensure that the branches run and run efficiently. So on a day-to-day basis, I have nine direct reports. So the branch is organized under nine regions. Mm-hmm. And each region has a number of branches reporting to it. And so each region is managed by a regional manager. And so all those nine regional managers report directly into me. So you can imagine what I wake up to on daily basis. You wake up, you you go into your mail and you are flooded with several issues from several parts of the country that you have to address to. So the first thing I do when I come to the office, after the normal routine things that every worker would do in the morning, straight into your mail to find out what the current issues are. Hmm. I mean, what what issues have been brought to your attention to resolve and all that. Then after that, I need to go check my figures, my sales position, how much deposits came in the previous day. What is the deposit position as against the budget? You look at your income. How much of those deposits have translated into increase in your income? The loans that we sell to personal customers, how much of those loans have been sold the previous day? Which region is actually in the lead? Which region is not achieving their targets? So these are the 
routine things that are done on daily basis, apart from the strategic issue about looking ahead, you know, what new frontiers do we break? What new grounds, grounds do we plow and all that? So those are strategic. But on a daily basis, the routine issues would occupy a lot of my time. Sometimes there are also a lot of meetings that are attended. So on some days, I sit in meetings the whole day. I'm a member of several committees in the bank. So I'm a member of the management committee. I'm the, a member of the executive committee. I'm a member of the business continuity planning committee. I'm a member of the product committee. I'm a member of the corporate social responsibility committee. All these meetings also take a lot of my time, sometimes on a daily basis. Yeah, wow, John, that sounds like a lot on a regular basis and to be sitting on all of those committees, but also to have the oversight of all those different regions as well. And as you said, kind of dealing with the kind of the hot topics and the big issues that arise on a daily basis as well. I imagine some of them unexpected and some of them perhaps more regular things that you deal with exactly as well. So, gosh, it's a lot of variety in the role as well, it sounds like. Exactly. So, Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And I just wondered if uh, confidentiality protocols allowing, if there is anything in particular in terms of a, a project that you're working on at the moment or a recent development that you would like to share with us that you feel particularly proud of, it's, it's up to you, John. Okay, okay. So from my official as the executive head of retail, there is yeah. currently a project that I'm working on actually, I told you I have a convoluted rule, which yes. is a combination of business and operations. There is a project underway to actually draw a clear demarcation between what is business and what is operations. And that project is being led by me. So that is ongoing. A report is ready for submission to the executive committee, and then it will get to the board and we'll get that done. Now, the other project, which is a personal one, is, is that I've just enrolled into a PhD program. Oh, wow. And, uh, yes, when I, was, uh, when I was doing the LLB and the LLM, I had a clear agenda to cap it all with uh, the PhD and have been admitted. And so that is a major project that would occupy me for the, next, for the next three, four, five years. Oh, congratulations, John. That sounds really exciting. Thank you. So... Thank you. Oh, and will you be managing that alongside your work? Yes, I've always done that. In fact, I entered the bank with a first degree. But as I've told you, I've continued to get a second degree. In fact, apart from the LLM, I have an MBA. I'm also a chartered accountant. I'm a chartered banker. And I've done the LLB and LLM with the University of London. So I'm able to manage these things very well. So I intend to... I intend to combine this with the job I do at the moment. Oh, congratulations. And Thanks. you've completed so many qualifications as well. So you've clearly got very strong time management skills. But Thank yeah, you. best of luck with your PhD. I was Thank wondering, you. John, you, you talked a bit about the fantastic qualifications that you've had, and you've talked quite a lot about the experience that you've built up and, and the maturity and the way of looking at things within your career has helped you progress within the bank. I just wondered if there was anything else that has been particularly helpful to you in your career, perhaps in terms of getting experience or networks or mentoring from certain people. Has there been anything else 
that's helped you alongside that experience in the bank and your qualifications? Yes, yes. I've had I've had several mentors in the bank. I've met several of them along the way. And in fact, my pursuit of the LLB was even through a mentor whom after studying me critically said, look, you could be a lawyer one day if you apply yourself to it. And Mm -hmm. I didn't tell you after the the LLB from the University of London helped me to enter the Ghana Law School. And so I've actually been called to the Ghana Bar as well. So, um, yes. So I've had, I've had mentors. And, uh, you know, I have also been, it is not only the mentors that have actually encouraged me to get this far. I've also been a teacher. And uh, currently I teach at the Institute of Bankers in my country here. I teach banking law and practice. And yes, I, and I get a lot of motivation from the students to keep, you know, driving up and up. So yes, the, the work has been demanding. And I've always said that everyone needs a mentor. There were times I was very down. There were times that the going got tough. I, I didn't have an idea what next to do. And yeah. the people, people actually uh, came through very strongly for me. So I have mentors. Even today, I have a number of mentors that I always derive a lot of encouragement from. Well, that's fantastic. It sounds like that's been a really helpful and, and supportive part of your career development John and as you said we you know sometimes things are difficult so it's important to have people around us that can support us and and cheer us on I just wondered because quite a few of our students might be interested in how they can find a mentor could you tell us a little bit about how you found your mentors give some advice around how people might approach that okay so right from the beginning, as a young management trainee, my managers have always worked very closely with me. Let, let me just share this story. When I joined the bank, there used to be a particular book. They referred to it as a book of instruction. It's a manual of instruction. In fact, when you fall foul of any policy, when you are in breach of any policy of the bank, it is that book they used to punish you. And yet right. when you... And yet, when you join the bank, they do not expose that book to you. So you do not even know the contents of that book. But the very day I entered the branch, in fact, before the close of that day, the manager handed that book over to me. So I have a way of endearing myself to people. And this is what it is. If you are prepared to learn, if you are prepared to submit, to authority, if you are prepared to do what must be done and what is expected of you, you'll find people who are prepared to help you along the way. And that was how I found my mentors. Everywhere I went, I've always found someone superior, more experienced, who was open to help me out. And so you, I've worked with a number of people over time. You will see two national service persons come to my department. You will see one of them willing to do anything that you have asked him or her to do. And you see the other sitting unconcerned. And so the one who is up and going is the one who finds people who want to help them out. So that is 
what uh, that is one of the ways by which you can you can find a mentor. There are several people around today. I serve as mentor a mentor to several people because I speak on there is a certain public platform. We go to schools to talk to them, and by so doing, you see a number. Of, you go and speak to a, a, a group of people. You speak to about five hundred students seated in an auditorium. At the end of the day, only 10 of them would take your number and then call you and continue to be in touch with you. There are several people mm -hmm. I mentored today from far and near. It was because mm -hmm. they have actually made the move. It was because they were prepared to be mentored. And so you must be prepared to be mentored and then you'll find an appropriate person within the organization where you work and even sometimes without for you to be assisted. Yeah. No, thank you, John. That's really helpful advice. I think that that willingness to learn, but also being open to different opportunities, being curious and, and actually putting yourself out there and engaging with people in order to be able to create those opportunities to be mentored as well. So I think that's brilliant advice around being actively present and, and engaging and following up with people afterwards. And you mentioned a bit earlier on that there were times where things were challenging. So I just wondered if you could share with us perhaps if you have faced any setbacks in your career and how you manage them at the time and what you learned from those experiences. Okay, thank you very much. Um, what I've learned growing up is that when you fall down, don't fall flat. When you fall down, fall in a way that makes it possible for you to rise. I love that advice, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I've had a number of setbacks. Yeah. And it got to a point where I thought that probably nothing good was intended for me. At the university, I was denied, I was deprived of the best student award. It was mm -hmm. something that I lived at, at the undergraduate level. It was something that I lived, something that really hurt me for a very long time. It took a lot of counseling for me to forget about it. Yeah. Now, there were times, in fact, we went for interviews for a certain position. In fact, I, I attended about three interviews and it was very clear that I was a, the best candidate. Mm. At the end of the day, I was denied the position. I'm sorry. I was hurt. But you see, I, I did not allow it to affect me. Two years on, I have been promoted above the same grade that I was denied the last time round. Yeah. So yeah. what... what Yes, what I've learned to do is that if you want to see every setback as a full stop, then you are not motivated to go beyond that point. I see setbacks as an opportunity to press a lot more forward. And so I keep doing the right things. I do not allow the setbacks to completely demoralize me. I keep pushing and I have always believed in one saying that diligence is always ultimately rewarded. So I keep doing my work and then praying for that right time to come. And in most cases, invariably, that right time comes my way. Hey, thank you so much for sharing that story, John, and, and also the mindset that you've developed, you know, these setbacks can be really hurtful at the time and, and really difficult, but not letting them stop us from still moving forward and, and striving to do the best that we can. So thank you so much for sharing that personal story. 
And you mentioned that you are involved with teaching at the moment as well, which sounds really exciting. I wondered if you could tell me a little bit more about your teaching experience and how you got into that. Okay. Thank you very much. So I actually trained as a teacher. So I, I, I did, when I left, when I finished with my GC uh, O-levels, I actually went yeah. to the teacher's training college in my country. So I trained as a teacher. And then, uh, so before I even entered the university to do my first degree, I entered as a teacher. Right. And so when I came out, yes, I taught again for two years before I joined the bank. The passion for teaching has always been there. In fact, I remember as far back as my secondary school days, when I, when I was in Form 3, my Form 2 teacher would take me to the Form 2 class and ask me to teach them economics. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I've been teaching for a very long time. Yeah. And so when I... But the teaching at the Institute of Bankers started after my LLM. And yeah, so the LLM, they wanted someone who has a second degree in law and if you are not a lawyer, then at least you should have a second degree in law to yeah. be able to teach that course. The institute was reorganizing, and all those who were who did who did not have a legal background, who were teaching law-related courses, were actually asked to. And so I came in, and that was after my LLM from the University of London, and it's been it's been an amazing experience. I, I have no intention to stop it anytime soon. Oh, it sounds fantastic. And it sounds like your LLM was very instrumental in helping you to develop that opportunity and, and build on yes. your earlier teaching experience. Yes, yes. And John, I'm curious as well. So you started as a teacher before you decided to go into banking. I just wonder what motivated that that change of direction for you. Okay. So I don't know whether out there, in the UK, you don't have this saying that teacher's reward is always in heaven. Do you have, do you, have you heard anything like that before? I've heard something similar. But... <laughs> in fact, in this country, teachers at the level at which I was teaching hmm. are not well remunerated. Yeah, okay. It's a poorly, poorly job. For and such an uh, important profession as well. Yes, yeah. yes. And in fact, in my country here, most of the my colleagues are graduated from the training college with some of them are locked up in the villages. I mean, no progress whatsoever. So, mm -hmm. and when I finished, when I completed the undergraduate program, my expectation was that I was going to be posted to a secondary school. Yeah. But I ended up in a, in a basic school where I was asked to teach science and mathematics mm -hmm. to junior high school students. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't feel satisfied doing that kind of job because I thought that I was brought to a level where my skills are, were being un underutilized. So yeah. when the opportunity came for me to join the bank, I left. Yeah. I, I was not actually deriving a lot of enough satisfaction from the work I was doing. So besides the issue of remuneration, which, which was not encouraging, I think where pleased, where I was posted to teach was also another issue that hastened my movement out of the classroom. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for sharing that, because I know we have quite a lot of career changes amongst our student body. So it's really interesting to hear about what motivated you, but also that you had that passion for teaching that you've now been able to reintroduce into your career with the work that you're doing with the Institute of Banking as well. I just had a question about 
when you first started that banking career, was there anything that came as a surprise to you about that career path or anything that you wish you'd known before you started on that particular career journey? Okay, so before I started, I joined the bank, I didn't know that the bank was such a busy place. In fact, I I thought it was, yes, I thought it was such an easy job to do. You know, from the outside, it looks very glamorous. Mm, But when you get in there, you realize that it's a difficult job. In fact, I, I almost fell sick at my first branch because you go to work in the morning and you can stand on your feet, depending on where you are. You can stand on your feet or sit from morning till the time you close. And those days were closing at 2 p.m. And so you go, you may not eat anything because you may not have, there's no break period in the. In mm. fact, and in the rural branches where I started, you have a stream of people flowing in and out throughout the day. So yeah. there is very little time for you to do any other thing. That was the first thing I discovered. I thought, uh, I thought bankers go on break, they get out and go find something to eat and come back and all that. But I realized there was, there was nothing like that there. And mm. they, they hardly have holidays. So it's only the statutory holidays that are there. There's nothing like you. So for instance, if it is Christmas, you have mm. some businesses going on break for a number of days before they come back. Yeah. The bank has no such thing. So that was the first thing I, I learned. And I was wondering whether I was at the right, because I wanted to progress in my education. I wanted to study. And so I realized there was a problem. That was something that I didn't know as well until I entered. So those were my first regrets when I, when I joined the bank, because they were not things that were known to me. But I quickly yeah. adapted to the situation. And I think I settled in fairly well. So I've done 21 years. Yes, in December, I'll be doing 22 years. And that could also only have been possible because I've adapted so nicely to what I came to. Absolutely. And been able to fit your qualifications around it as well. So it sounds like you really did adapt very well, John. So thank you. And I guess my final question is really around what advice you might give to perhaps some of our students that are studying law now or studying other subjects that might be interested in working in the banking sector or progressing in the banking sector. What advice would you give them, John, for people that are perhaps starting out in their career or maybe changing career into this direction? Okay. Thank you very much. For me, if you work in the bank, you need some basic knowledge of the law to be able to function Mm -hmm. effectively wherever you find yourself. And my role in the bank had, my my walk through the bank had taken me through a number of departments, not just retail. I've been in credits and all. Mm -hmm. And so you realize that sometimes people uh, are punished. People face disciplinary action just because they could not apply themselves appropriately to the laws that regulate the work they do. I've always told my staff that the practice of banking, especially branch banking, cannot be separated from the law relating to banking. Because every process, every activity that you undertake at a branch is regulated by law. In fact, the deposit of cash by a customer into his or her account has legal implications. 
and the University of London has taught me that so, so, so well. So if you want to make a good career in bank banking and in whichever area of banking, I think there is a need for you to spice your studies with the study of the law. That will take you places. I'm very confident today because I can glean the legal pitfalls from every activity that anyone wants me to engage in. And so I would not fall into those pitfalls. And so I advise every student to actually to add some legal education to whatever skill set they have, especially if you intend to make a career in banking. And for the University of London, I think that I, I have a lot of commendation for, for that university. There, there were law schools in this country at the time I decided to enroll with the University of London. I looked at the cost structure of the and I looked at my busy schedule in the office and I saw that mm. there's an alignment with the structure of the University of London program. Anyone who enrolls in the University of London program and does not make it, could not make it anywhere else because the program is so structured that if you apply yourself to it, I think that you should be able to go through. So I, I, I wish to commend them for actually putting this nice program together. Hey, that's great. Thank you, John. I think brilliant advice as well around getting that legal insight to really help you get into the banking sector, but also succeed within it as well. And to have that understanding in order to not make the mistakes that might lead to disciplinary actions. Around some of the soft skills that you develop, so some of the transferable skills, do you think there was anything in particular that you developed through your LLB or your LLM program? Yes, definitely. I went to a university, a traditional university, where there was a library and all that. But to be honest with you, the research skills that I developed from that university could not be compared to what I went through the University of London. So you have a plethora of sources from which you can glean information here and there. And that also teaches you patience and endurance. So as I try to find the various sources from which I could get materials to put together to prepare for my exams and all that, those were some of the skills, the soft skills that came to me. And so the skills of patience, the skills of endurance, all came as I studied at the University of London. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, because I think it really demonstrates some of the extra skills and added value that you get through doing a distance learning qualification, perhaps over a, a traditional qualification as well. John, no thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and really appreciate all the valuable insights that you've provided, the learning that you've shared through your experiences as well. And, and thank you too. The pleasure is mine. Oh, it's been a real delight. I've really, yeah, it's been a highlight of my day, John, talking to you. Yeah, you take care. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, okay. best of luck with everything. Thanks so All much. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, Bye. -bye. Bye. This was the third season of the Global Career Schools podcast that brought to you by the University of London Career Service, this time devoted to the law sector. You can find our episodes on your favourite streaming platform, including ACAS, Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts, and many more. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was presented by Gemma Garrett and edited and introduced by Bushra Janou. 
We'll publish more episodes in the following weeks with some inspiring stories from our global graduate cohort. So please subscribe. Thank you for listening and join us next time for a new global careers call.